it's been an interesting time for us. As you can imagine, I know it's been different for you as well as you've dealt with COVID. But um, I just want to say before I begin my message that we've added more new members in the last two years in spite of COVID or maybe because of it than we added in the previous five years. It's been remarkable. And I'm very excited to be going back and to hope that trend continues. Uh, Japan is a remarkable and beautiful place. Uh, we didn't have a travelogue this morning, but there's uh, endless pictures I could show you of the lovely mountains. They call them the Alps, the Northern Alps, the Central Alps, the Southern Alps, um, the more than 3,000 islands, uh, just a tremendous natural beauty. You say Dan to Beersheba for the, the land of Israel from the north to the south. We have Hokkaido to Okinawa. And uh, similarly, every kind of geography you can imagine and just tremendous beauty. Uh, the culture is also very interesting, very ancient, and very beautiful. There's some things about us that about it that drive us crazy, but uh, the graciousness of the Japanese people, the modesty of the Japanese people, their discipline, their devotion to getting it right and to keeping at it until it's perfect. Uh, these things are part of their culture. And uh, anybody know who Shohei Otani is? I uh, think the guy that broke Babe Ruth's records last year. Uh, Otani-san kind of embodies these characteristics and his discipline and his modesty. And uh, it's, it's really a thing of beauty. It's a, a wonderful place to live and we've enjoyed our life there in our 43rd year now, 43rd year of our five-year plan. So um, on the other hand, the Japanese are a nation largely in spiritual bondage. Uh, worshiping a, a plethora of gods. They don't even know how many there are. Uh, objects of nature like Mount Fuji or the sun, the sun that rises in the morning is called Amaterasu Omikami, kami being the uh, word for God in Japanese. Uh, the sun goddess is the ancestor of the imperial family. What, in the 21st century? Yeah, in the 21st century. There's a lot of animism. There's uh, constantly relying on good luck charms. Uh, ancestor veneration is a form of bondage that enslaves many of the Japanese people and they have all of these obstacles that keep them from coming to worship the one true God, which is what our work is all about. Superstition, but also secularism, a very, very deadly combination. Uh, today, I would like to read with you from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. We'll focus on that for a little while. It's the famous armor of God passage, Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, I'm not sure what version you're using in the pews. I'm reading from the old, reliable NIV. Uh, reading uh, Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10, going through the end of that armor of God section. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. 
Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. This is the word of the Lord. So Ephesians is a remarkable letter. Uh, chapter one, we can call the, the predestination chapter. Uh, tells us of God's great plan for his creation. Before he even begins, he has the end in sight and all things that happen are under his command. And then we get to chapter two, which I like to call the Reformation chapter. Uh, the gospel is presented there very, very clearly so that no one can mistake what it is that we're saved not by our efforts, but by the grace of God, by God's free gift given to us through faith, which is also his gift. But from beginning to end, here and there, we pick up from this letter that there's a great spiritual struggle going on. There's a great warfare that's taking place. The victory that God has determined is not automatic. There's a fight that has to be fought. The spiritual struggle that's mentioned here explicitly in, in the section of God's word that I read, uh, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The, the question that I'm led to ask and that I want to focus on answering today is this. How do we fight this fight? What is the source of the power that we need to move God's kingdom ahead, to be effective in that warfare that Paul is talking about? My answer is very simple. Power in life, in ministry, and mission is not something that comes from inside of us. It comes by God's spirit working through us. And that power of the Spirit of God is given to us as God's gift, given to those who seek it in prayer. That's the take-home message today. The power of God. Power, an interesting word. Anybody use Bible Gateway software? You know, you plug in a word that you want to search and find out where it occurs in the scriptures. You put the word power in Bible Gateway search and then you have 335 hits, at least in the NIV. 335 times. Beginning with the, the power of God and creation, creating all things that exist through the power of his word. And that same power that continues as by that same word, Paul says, he sustains everything upholds everything, giving us all of the things that we need. The power and authority 
vested in Jesus, given to Jesus. What about power in God's people? The, the power that Moses was given to stand against Pharaoh. The power that Joshua was given to stand against the Canaanites and take possession of the promised land. The power of Samson to stand against the Philistines. The power of David, a young boy, to stand before the giant Goliath. The power to speak God's word, to heal, to raise the dead. So many passages and so many examples that we can find in God's word, but all of them are examples of God's power given to his people to accomplish his purposes and to move his plan ahead. Everything from the great wind, and wind and spirit is the same word in Hebrew and also in Greek. The great wind that divided the seas so that the people could cross the Red Sea on dry ground or the rebuilding of the temple, accomplished, God tells us through Zechariah, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, he says. You go into the New Testament, and we see something similar going on. Jesus himself, when he goes to his hometown synagogue at Nazareth, takes the scroll of Isaiah, and it didn't have chapters and verse marks in those days, but Jesus knew where to look. And he reads what we call chapter 61 and says this has been fulfilled today. And it talks about the anointing of Jesus with God's spirit so that he can accomplish the mission that God has given him to do. To cast out the evil spirits that are tormenting God's children. To heal all kinds of sicknesses and to restore those who are lame. The power of God through Jesus to raise from the dead Jairus' daughter the son of the widow of Nain, and his friend Lazarus. The power that Jesus exercises when they're on the Sea of Galilee in a storm, and Jesus stands up before his frightened disciples, says to the storm, quiet! And that's the end of it. Even nature obeys his voice, the power that's given to him. Interestingly, we see Jesus sending his disciples out on mission trips, and I know that you have a great tradition going of sending out, especially young people, on mission trips. Keep that up. You have a good uh, forerunner of that in our Lord Jesus Christ. As he sends out his disciples, God's word says, he takes some of his power and he commits it to them and sends them out so that they also can cast out demons. They can heal the sick. They can raise the dead. And they can proclaim the good news that God's kingdom has arrived. It's come close. Now is the time to repent and believe. And we see that happening. For an example, take a look at Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Well, Jesus, in addition to that, promises special power to his disciples so that they can accomplish the mission that he's going to give them. Power from on high, he says. A baptism of the Holy Spirit, he calls it. Essential for fulfilling their mission and ours in this world. Wait for it, he says. After he's risen from the dead, before his ascension into heaven, he says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait there, and I'm going to send this gift to you. And when the Spirit comes on you, you will receive power, and you will become my witnesses to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But that Spirit's equipping is essential to carry out 
that mission. And we see the fulfillment then on Pentecost Sunday in Acts chapter 2. Well, how is that anointing and that empowerment different from what we see in the Old Testament? And my answer is fundamentally, it's not different. It's the same thing. The zeal to fulfill God's commands, the gifts given to his disciples to t tell of his love, uh, the signs and wonders that go along with it. But it's more abundant now in this new stage in God's plan. Jesus has come as prophesied. He's died, and as we sang, he's risen from the dead, and victory is his. And now is the time to spread that good news beyond the boundaries of that little kingdom of Israel to the ends of the earth. The Spirit works in them, in those disciples. And it's clear that the power that they are experiencing and exercising is not something that comes from inside of them. It's from the outside. Now, the Apostle Paul is the great example and forerunner for all missionaries. And Paul says something very interesting, which I'd like you to listen to in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We call this the resurrection chapter. But Paul has talked about all of those who have met the risen Jesus Christ, including himself as the last one, uh, as one untimely born, he says. But he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verse 9 and follows. Uh, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, the gift of God, I am what I am. And his gift, grace to me, was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace, the gift of God that was with me. Paul gives credit where credit is due. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in and through him that makes him effective. It's not his phenomenal education. It's not his work ethic, which won't quit. And we know people like that. But without the work of the Spirit of God, Paul is standing as Stephen is stoned and giving his approval. It's fruitless and counterproductive without the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. But today, my main point is this. How can we also experience God's power and his work in us? How can we be successful in the spiritual warfare and see the kingdom come with power? We're especially eager to answer that question in Japan, but isn't that the question that should be the main thing we all are interested in knowing? How do we do it? Is there a key? Is there something that we can do. Yes, there is. There is. You see it in the Old Testament. Some of the, the great stories, and I'll just tell you a few references. I encourage you to read these with your, with your family, maybe even today. Second Chronicles 20, the story of the warfare that King Jehoshaphat of Judah engaged in. When uh, the three nations to the south banded together and the report comes to King Jehoshaphat that this tremendous armed force is, is heading towards Jerusalem to destroy the people of Judah. And Jehoshaphat is outnumbered and outgunned and he knows it. And so what is he going to do? Jehoshaphat calls for a great prayer assembly. 
and they pray for God's mercy. I, I won't give you a spoiler. You can read the rest of it, but the outcome is very interesting. When Jehoshaphat goes out to meet this invading army, he doesn't put his green berets and his elite forces on the front line. He sends the prayer team, and they're singing, Great is thy faithfulness, as they go out into the warfare. Or uh, read Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2 is another place where Daniel, in, in facing ridiculous odds, calls on his friends to fast and to pray and to seek God's help, and that help comes. This is the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar. Or go to Esther, Esther chapter 4, where Esther also calls on all the people of the Jews who are in exile in Persia when they get message that the people of Jews are going to be destroyed by the evil Haman and his plot. And she calls for all of them to pray and fast with her. And then she goes before the king and pleads their cause. And God delivers them. All of these examples that we have in the Old Testament are examples of God sending his spirit and empowering his people for these ridiculous difficulties that they are facing that they can't possibly be successful in without his intervention and help. And the victory comes and he sends his spirit and it's a happy ending. What about in the New Testament? We see the disciples obeying Jesus' command, engaged in prayer in that famous upper room, and on Pentecost Sunday, the Spirit comes on them in power. Again, we, we see Paul, highly educated, extremely diligent, but in Ephesians 6, we find out the key to his success. It's at the end of this famous letter, and we already read it. I won't read it again, but there's a command there, a one word that appears four times, and the word is pray. It also occurs there a couple of times as a noun in that very short passage, pray. Paul is dependent on the prayers of God's people, seeking God's help, seeking the Spirit's empowerment so that his work can bring glory to God and be successful in expanding the kingdom. Go back to Acts, in this time, chapter 4, and Peter and John have been arrested, and they've been kept in jail all the night. The next morning, they get a good scolding. Don't preach in the name of this Jesus anymore. We've had enough of this. And they go back to the disciples, back in that upper room again, and they tell what's happened and how they've been threatened. And they say, what do we do now? And they all fall down on their knees and they're praying and asking for God's intervention. And what happens? Pentecost number two. The Spirit empowers them again. And they go out with great zeal and with great joy to continue preaching the message of Jesus and his salvation. It happens over and over again. It's not me, says Paul. It's not my education, it's not my work ethic. These are good things too, but it's God's spirit given in response to the prayers of God's people. That's the key. Without that, his labor is in vain. With that, God's kingdom moves ahead. His temple gets rebuilt. Satan is in retreat. Those who were dead in trespasses and sins are made alive and gathered into Christ's kingdom and into his church.
by God's grace, in answer to your prayers and the prayers of many others who stand with us, we have had great success in our work. Sometimes they seem to us like small things. But as he says in Zechariah, don't despise the day of small things. These are beginnings, and there is progress. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17 through 20, there's words there that Paul says, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. It's a command. It's in the imperative. And he goes on to say how to do that. Singing and making melody in your hearts to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and giving thanks in all things through Jesus Christ to the Father. It's through prayer. Prayer is the means for being fulfilled with the Spirit. And Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, after he's told this story about the uh, person that goes to his neighbor and asks for something because he's in need, will not God give to you who ask him his Spirit? Ask, says Jesus. Keep asking, he says. And if you don't get what you want, if the results aren't there that you're seeking, be like that stubborn widow who would not give up before the unjust judge and keep knocking on the door of heaven and keep pleading your cause and keep asking until God moves and he gives you the strength that you need. If someone like the Apostle Paul needed this, how much more do we? Power in life, ministry, and mission is not inherent in me or in you. That power comes by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God comes in response to the prayers of God's people. He has done it, and he will do it again and again and again. Are you ready for that? I hope your eyes don't glaze over, but listen to this list of words. Toyoake, Tokorozawa, Numazu, Hitachinaka, Misato, Atsugi, Tanashi, Higashikawaguchi, Choshi, Nerima. These are the names of cities where God has enabled us to establish and organize new congregations during the last 20 years. We're astonished by the grace of God that he's willing to use the likes of us in the land of the rising sun to tell about the risen sun and to see his kingdom grow. The little invisible virus of COVID is no match for the invisible Holy Spirit who works with great power among those who seek him. So seek him with us. Continue to stand with us as we work in Japan, but also among yourselves. Pray for your pastors, for your leaders. Pray for your children, for your schools, for your families, for your friends who don't know the Lord. God answers prayer. His spirit works strongly and powerfully and with great grace in those who seek him. This is the word of God for you today, my friends. Amen. Please pray with me.
Father, we're thankful that we can look back on history in the days of old when your kingdom was fairly much limited to the people of Israel and then into the New Testament as the barriers came down and the Gentiles were gathered in. We're thankful that we can see it continuing to happen even now and that we can see your kingdom come with power. We pray that that will continue to be the case and even more and more that your spirit will work powerfully in us as we seek his work faithfully and zealously for your glory so that your temple, which is made of living stones, will be built in great beauty to you, honor and praise. Bless Ivan Rex Church. Continue to keep their relationship with their workers who are all around the world strong. Help us to be zealous and faithful as we are called to serve.